Hola, and welcome to the Beauteous Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Tune in as we share stories of triumph, resiliency, and healing. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamily Whitfield, and the journey begins now. Hi, guys. Welcome back for another episode of the Beauteous Me podcast. I hope everyone is staying safe with the new waves of this pandemic and all the mayhem that's going on. Um, Just keep yourself safe, guys, and love on yourself a little bit more. Super excited to bring more content here. I have Brooke Aaron. Brooke Aaron is such a super dope person. We were having like our own offline conversation here. Sorry, I didn't upload it, but it's between her and I. Brooke, she discovered the adverse childhood experience, which is something that I've talked to you guys before in in some of my episodes, which is the ACEs study. And while studying immunology in college, she herself was a victim of ACEs and scored an eight out of 10 on the test. Finding the study helped her understand her own autoimmunity problems and helped her heal her personal trauma. Once she saw the long-term health impact ACEs caused, she has determined to help others build resilience in an effort to save both their mental and physical health. In addition to holding a degree in health sciences, she is a board member and volunteer for the Relationship Foundation, where she works with the president in creating content for ACEs, bullying, and racism. This will be presented within inner city schools throughout New York City and in webinars so both children and adults can be supported. She also has a blog about her own trauma and ways she overcame her experiences, which is at www.becomingindomitable.com. And I will put that in the show notes, but I did have a chance to read your blog. So vulnerable, so raw. Love it, guys. You have to check it out. So, Brooke, welcome to the Beauty Podcast. Yes, I'm so excited. Love the show. You're just absolutely inspirational to me. And congratulations for all you've achieved. And all your and all your helping, it's wonderful. Thank you, thank you so much. So, Brooke, I always ask my guests, tell me about your story. Geez, so I grew up in kind of a rough area. We were really poor, and uh, I kind of came from a family of abuse and neglect. And you know, coming in that instance, I had a lot of traumatic instances that happened. Um, I had to call the police on my dad for trying to beat and rape my mom whenever I was 12, a few days before Christmas. I went three years in molestation and, you know, he was an abusive alcoholic. And I basically raised myself. I didn't really have a mentor. I didn't have a support system. And I think especially as a woman, whenever we were kids or when I was a kid, um, we didn't have the same kind of role models. Women really weren't praised or kind of put out there as to, um, achievers you know so I was a little lost as a kid I I feel um and I was heavily introverted heavily isolated um you know as I grew older we moved around a little bit and uh still the situation didn't improve but I was really determined to turn my situation around I didn't want to be a product of that environment I knew that my I guess my mentors or my my supposedly role models in my life really weren't the people that I had aspired to be. And what I actually did on my own um, as a teenager is I created a list of virtues that I thought would be important that I thought people should have. And I did what I could in order to strive to get there. Now, granted, my path wasn't always as, you know, straight and narrow as what I had hoped. And I think for, for a long time, I, um, I am a uh, overachiever, so I really wanted to be better and do better. And I 
worked two jobs, sometimes three jobs and went to college and did all of this stuff. And I think obviously that had a toll on my health as well, but I, I was running from the bad environment, mm. kind of, you know, where it started from, uh, number one. And even with that determination, my health got impacted because I wasn't coping well. I wasn't doing the right things. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't look into any of this information, number one. And I was so lucky that I had discovered it in college. And unfortunately, I have a lot of friends who've come from similar circumstances where they were raised in poor families or abusive households, and they weren't able to overcome some of those things. And some of them absolutely were. They have a beautiful um, level of resiliency. Yeah. So when I finally got to college, I had developed a rare form of blood cancer called AML leukemia. I had to drop out. And in the relationship I was in at the time wasn't very supportive. Two days after my transplant, he had kicked me out. So I didn't have an immune system and I was nearly homeless. Wow. I uh, didn't have any money and I didn't have my degree yet at that time. Um, so you know, now I have a situation where I'm fighting for my life, right? And I'm also fighting for my safety, um, which is something that I've definitely heard you talk about on the show, you know, kind of getting to that, even that bottom part of the Maslow hierarchy of needs and, you know, before you can step up. And here, I don't have a support system. I didn't have really kind of any hope or drivers or anything. And finding the adverse childhood experience is ultimately was a saving grace for me. So I uh, started this kind of my own little path of how I was going to develop my own resiliency. And when I first learned about the ACE study was about 2016. And there really wasn't a whole lot of information of how to overcome things or uh, what it understanding the difference. And when I thought of trauma in childhood, all I thought about was you know, the mental health impact mm-hmm. and the behavioral impact. Not that that's not enough, but I never, I never knew that it had such a big play in autoimmune diseases and a myriad of other um, health things, which I'm sure we'll get into here in a bit, but mm-hmm. it, it changed me. And I think it, it definitely changed my life. And I really wanted to get out there and show other people, um, even though it's, I'm not a therapist, I don't, I clearly uh, don't do this for a living either. Um, It's just about sharing my experience. But the ACE study is so incredibly important. And unfortunately, people aren't open about their circumstances. So they try to normalize certain parts of their life, and they're not growing or healing. Unfortunately, they're dealing with that battle internally and quietly. And I think also we need to stop doing that. but in order to heal and get to the root of it, I wanted to get as much information out there as possible. When I joined the Relationship Foundation, they were very happy to talk about adverse childhood experiences. So I helped them create some content with that. And they, they're an amazing organization. And what they do um, for children and adults is truly amazing. Uh, and aside from that, I thought the blog might help people because I was able to get out of my bad environment. and. I, I will say reinvented myself to a degree and um, made more than double my income in less than five years and just turned my life around in a myriad of ways. 
um, and got through it. So I want to be able to see what I can do in order to help others do the same. I love it. And I love you for being so raw and vulnerable and sharing your story, especially in your blog. Um, Oh, thank you. I I will just say, guys, check out her blog. They're trigger warning. You know, if you have experienced some of the same things that Brooke has experienced, but just to see the resilience and the rawness in it is important. And I think it's important that you talk about the medical component of trauma that we don't talk about because we always think about how it impacts our mental health. So let's get into the ACEs. So um, how was the ACE study started? Um, And can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. So it's really a cool story. In the 80s, the ACE study actually started as an obesity clinic, uh, believe it or not. And it was really successful. People are dropping weight like crazy. You know, the doctors are really happy, but then all of a sudden the dropout rate becomes astronomical. Uh, Everybody's dropping out of this thing and they have no idea what's happening. So they decided to go out and interview some people that were in the study and had left. And they were saying bizarre things like, oh, I prefer to be heavier because it makes me more comfortable to be heavier. Or as a man, I'm supposed to be heavier because I'm supposed to be bigger. And at that point, they thought, well, you know, this is kind of weird. So they continued interviewing their patients, and they actually had created this uh, 200 question interview. It was pretty detailed, and it was a beautiful cohort study that they had done in the end. But a doctor is interviewing one of their patients, and they meant to ask, "How old were you when you first became overweight? You know, or these, or noticed that there was a weight problem?" But instead, he accidentally asked, "How old were you when you first had intercourse?" And the person responded with four years old, Mm. right? Just, you know, unbelievable. So obviously a big red flag had come up and they knew that they needed to go into a different direction. So what they had found is that uh, they developed this like 10 question quiz, basically yes or no based quiz. And the more aces you had, the more things that you said yes to, the more problems you would have later in life alcoholism, early pregnancy, drug use, violent relationships, autoimmune disease, cancer, early death, you know, on and on and on. So they started to look into it more and they started following the people. And one thing I do want to point out is a lot of people think that when they hear ACEs or adverse childhood experiences, they just think children. But we really need to think about, exactly, right? We need to think about adults because the average age of the people that they were uh, they did the study on initially was 57 years old. So I, I, that's very important, very important piece, right? So they compared current health status, and this is the beautiful part to me, of the participants with eight categories. Uh, and they use this as the frequent identifiers within the weight program. So this is how they kind of pulled it together. So three categories pertain to personal abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, and sexual abuse, which we know. And then four categories to growing up in a dysfunctional household, which is like alcoholic person, drug user, was someone in prison in your family? Uh, Was there someone who was chronically depressed, mentally ill or suicidal? Um, Was the mother treated violently is another one. Uh, And parents, were your parents separated or divorced or somehow you lost a parent during childhood, you know, either through divorce or death, you know. So there are questions, there are 10 questions quiz, which you can check out at aces2high.com, is 
really um, helpful. There's a lot of statistics and stuff on that site as well. But when you took the 10 question quiz, it would say, okay, you know, here's how many aces you got. And there was a dramatic difference between people that had scored four or more of these aces, meaning you said yes to four or more of these items, than people who had less. Like, uh, But everybody over 90% of the population have at least one ace, right? Uh, which is a big red flag. But 12% of the population have four or more, um, and over 70% have two or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So what do you mean when it impacts our lives over the long term? And what are those impacts? Uh, So first of all, compared to people with no aces, those that have four or more aces, number one, four times, you're four times more likely to be a high risk drinker. Mm. You're six times more likely to have or cause a teenage pregnancy. Mm six times more likely to smoke cigarettes, six times more likely to have sex under the age of 16, 11 times more likely to smoke cannabis, 14 times, 14 times more likely to have been a victim of violence over the last year, last 12 months, 15 times more likely to have committed violence against another person in the last 12 months, 16 times more likely to use heroin or cocaine and 20 times more likely to be incarcerated at some point in your lifetime. So first of all, those are unbelievable risks and your suicide rate, you're 12 times more likely to um, attempt suicide. Yeah. So how has having such a high ACE score impact your health? Because we know that those are things that impact your mental health and, you know, traumas and everything. But how does it impact your your health when you have such a high ACEs score? I know, but the listeners need to know. (laughs) That's true. Right. So there's two factors. We have the behavioral factor and we have the physical factor. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we look at behaviors, so like, the you know, some of it, some of that mental health is caused by a lack of physical activity, smoking, alcoholism, whatever. Um, And what happens is neurologically, your brain, it impacts brain development. And we're talking about stress here. So, um, but not only does it impact the uh, development of your frontal lobe, your amygdala, and your hippocampus, which again goes back to being obese, being depressed, and anxiety as well, right? Because it's impacting your serotonin levels, it's impacting um, your synapse rate. But in an autoimmune disease way, uh, we know that stra- chronic stress causes inflammation. Mm-hmm. But number one, people need to know that as of today, there are over 108 different autoimmune diseases, mm-hmm. most of which cannot be cured. Yeah. Uh, which is startling. Additionally, um, the top ones that most people get are rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, lupus, and cancer. And in fact, they had started to do a lot of studies in that regard, one of which is they looked at people that were, went to the hospital for the first time for um, an autoimmune disease and were diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And they looked at three. They looked at TH1, TH2, and um, rheumatic disease. Mm-hmm. Unbelievably, people that had two or more ACEs, 100% of the people that had gone for the first time 
had rheumatic disease. Um, for people that had TH1 or TH2, it was 70% had TH1 or TH2. And some of them had more than one autoimmune disease. Uh, another thing that I had found is the more stress and the more um, inflammation that you have, you may not just have one autoimmune disease as a result of it. Uh, for instance, I did have AML leukemia, but I also have Hashimoto's disease as well. So knowing it, it, it makes it one that much more frightening, right? Yeah. But it also makes it that more powerful to say you have to get help. You have to start building that resiliency. It's absolutely imperative. Right. Um, additionally, outside of autoimmune diseases, diabetes, depression, uh, STDs, heart disease, cancer, stroke, COPD, and broken bones, you're 11 times more likely to have those issues. Mm -hmm. And additionally, uh, they also found, and this is from the CDC, that the life expectancy of a, you know, most people, someone with zero, we'll say zero adverse childhood experiences is 80 years. But for someone that has had six or more adverse childhood experiences, your life expectancy is up to 60 years old. So that's, we're losing time. That's a little scary because my score was seven, your score was eight. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I have to sit with that. I, I, I forgot about that part of the study. I think I intentionally forgot about the 60. Right. <laughs> I'm like, yes. live forever as an older woman. <laughs> so I'm going to have to, you know, sit and ponder on that one. Uh, yeah. 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 So Brooke, tell me, what are some ways you were able to build resilience to heal yourself and help others? Because what you're doing is really phenomenal. And I think we have to, to really acknowledge the fact, you know, before you answer the question is that when we look at impoverished neighborhoods, you know, I grew up in New York City. If I look at New York City and I look at where I used to work in the South Bronx on Third Avenue, so many sick people. When mm. I look at the city hospitals, because I was a worker at a, a city hospital in the Bronx, um, the amount of people just coming in and out, in and out, in and out, sick, diabetes, high blood pressure, hypertension, you, know, you just name it. And it was just like consistently, consistently asthma, you know, asthma, the. Yeah you know, the, the air pollution in, in the Bronx at that time. Um, and still depending on the neighborhood, but, you know, just asthma and seeing like the stressors of everyone else. And I look at clients that I've worked with. I look at families of clients because, you know, intergenerational things that have gone on. And I look at their illness and how they've become sick and things that they've experienced and how it's passing on. I got this, I got this, I got this. So it's not only the depression that's also causing these bodily symptoms, but there's always some other thing going on. And it is really heartbreaking that, you know, as children, we experience some things, we experience some traumas, but we don't ever think, you know, when you build some resiliency, you don't ever think that down the line that it's going to impact something in your health. And I know you you never thought, you know, as, as a 16 year old, I'm, bu I'm building these virtues as a teenager. And, you know, I'm trying to keep myself focused despite all the shit that I've been through in my entire life and, and all the traumas that you've endured. You still wanted to build virtues. You still wanted to, you know, succeed that you would get hit with this diagnosis. And, you know, obviously being in an unhealthy relationship because, you know, him, him kicking you out, et cetera. But I wanted to say that because I thought it was important to, to show people that even though you've had a score six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, that there is some resiliency. So I want you to really just 
you know, go into to the answer, but I, I had to, like, I, I just felt inspired yeah. to just put that out there. I think that's great. And people absolutely need to know that number one. And you said something very, very important, which is just because these things have happened to you doesn't mean that that needs to be your story. That's not your ending, right? You can absolutely change it. As long as you do the work, do the work to build resiliency. Right. First of all, life is hard, you know, and life can really suck. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's definitely going it, to, it will destroy you, obviously, if you let it. And you have heard as many quotes about that kind of stuff as I have. And people look at people, at rags to riches stories constantly because they want to get out of their environments. So obviously, there's a lot of people that are in it. When we look at the statistics, there's just, the numbers are overwhelming. The numbers are absolutely shocking. Uh, but what's more shocking is that people, and this is also so important, people think that you're just supposed to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just how life is. And number one, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely not true. Two, that doesn't mean that it's acceptable and that your life should be that way or that's something that you need to keep passing on. One thing, um, speaking of New York, is the Harlem Project. Um, are you familiar with the Harlem Project? Yeah, yeah. There in New York. yeah. So uh, excellent dynamic. And w- what they do is they have um, kind of like a program to teach parents how to not be violent to their kids, how to develop themselves, how to it, 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 they treat behavior. Um, and, and they teach you different tips and tricks and ways in order to not pass down these terrible things that have happened to you to your kids. Because here's what people believe, or I believe that people believe, um, is that they think, okay, yeah, I had a bad childhood, but you know what, I'm fine. It's not like I'm crying about it or I'm stressed out all the time. I don't have PTSD, you know, fill in the blank. Um, and of course, some people do. But the thing is, it's not just about that. It's about you didn't grow up with coping skills that were positive. You didn't grow up with a support system. You don't know how to adult well, you know. So we, you have to put that in the forefront of the skills that you missed out on. I often see people talk about how they didn't get skills to handle like basic balancing your checkbook or whatever in high school, which is true. I totally support that. But um, we don't have relationship building in schools, right? We don't know how to treat people well. And I think now is a great time in society because people are more focused on self-care now more than ever. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. You can't hide from the trauma. You can't be afraid of it either. People will suppress things. They'll disassociate from things because they don't want to deal with it or they think that they're going to break down as a result of it. But realistically, the longer that they hold on to it, the worse off they're going to be. So this is no surprise to you. I would say the first step is to get therapy. They need to get help. Um, Aside from that, they need to re-regulate some of their skill set. And again, like I said before, trauma impacts brain development. So you really need to work on developing new neural pathways. So how do you do that? What does that even mean? So traveling helps expose your brain to more complicated environments. And I'm not saying that you need to travel to Paris, you know, or something like Iceland or some beautiful location. Uh, uh, although it would be great. I mean, all right. I think about that all the time. But uh, anywhere, even within your neighborhood, getting in touch with nature, you know, just getting out there. Um, 
and trying to find your way back, trying to re-navigate, anything that's going to challenge your brain. Uh, a couple things are that I've learned in college and pathophysiology, actually, is that if you notice your tongue is touching the roof of your mouth, you are stressed out. You may not feel it, but that's an indicator to you that you are tense. So when you recognize, start recognizing that, um, one, obviously lower your tongue, and then two, start being more mindful thinking in your body. How is your body feeling? Um, where is tension? Do you need to take a break? That kind of stuff. Because people who have been traumatized disassociate from their the feelings of their body. Yes, yes. Um, another thing is, and I hear this a lot, is that people will tell me they're empathic. And um, not that I don't believe them, I do. I feel I'm empathic. But that is a coping skill that you develop as a kid. And um, to help with some of the trauma or to help regulate some of your emotions. But what they'll feel is, wow, they're too emotional. <laughs> I have this problem because I'm crying or because I'm happy or because I'm whatever, mad. Um, but re-regulating that emotion does help with getting your neuroplasticity in check. Mm -hmm. So uh, other ways you can do it are learning an instrument, using mnemonic devices to memory train, visualization imagery, spatial navigation. Um, if you get stressed out, this is... Huh. So I had a study this in school. I didn't believe it. I'm not a math fan. But one of the things that they had suggested is when you get stressed out, do a complicated math problem. Yes. Thinking, well, I, I'm going to avoid doing math anyway. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm in a stressed out situation, I would never do that. But it actually worked mm -hmm. because you're I've focusing. Kids, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're focusing on resolving, you know, answering this ridiculous math question or immense question. And um, it does change how your mind is thinking and then you can go back to it and, uh, and relieve your issue. Um, some other things that can help is using your non-dominant non hand, sorry, to do exercises, write your name, brush your hair, um, stir your coffee or your tea, because that also helps Again, rebuild neuroplasticity, read fiction, or maybe expand your vocabulary are some ways for that. Um, if Another thing, too, though, is that building self-esteem is obviously extremely important as well. Yeah. My biggest advice there, because it's something that really helped me, is to get away from social media for about 90 days, if you can. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean YouTube or whatever. But if you're going to be in contact with anything, social media or otherwise, it has to be positive. It has to be building mm -hmm. because you're using, whether you believe it or not, social media as a type of support system. Yeah. And either that, yes, either that support system is going to be beating you down and telling you that you're not good enough or you're going to use it to leverage yourself. And people need to use it as a tool, not as a like you know a way of life resource or a numbing device as well it, yes a numbing device yeah. exactly um one of the things that i has been really effective uh, and i did it as a leader in some of my roles is instead of creating a regular vision board which i'm a big fan of mm -hmm. uh to create a reverse vision board so instead of it just being things like i want to aspire to having a mansion or making a million dollars it's also, 
this is what I don't want to revert back to. This is what I don't want to be like. Yeah. So it can keep you in check and say, wow, look how far I've come to in my life. And whether that's the therapy that you're building, weight, whatever those problems are, maybe trying to get, maybe you do have a substance abuse problem and you're trying to get past that. Maybe it's a relationship with money. Um, But categorize those things, try to find pictures of either people you don't want to end up like, Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, I have a picture of the home that I had grown up in, which we didn't even have, we had exposed drywall, you know, it it was kind of falling apart. And um, that's not a life that I want for myself. So I know security is important. And I'll look at things like that. And I'll remind myself, you know, I might be upset today. I might have this issue today, but I'm not going to go back to how that was. And if I did, I know how I have a coping toolbox of how to get myself out of the situation or how to handle myself emotionally without hating myself or falling apart uh, to help push me back up. I love it, Brooke. Brooke, you have dropped some really good knowledge. Um, you've given us information that I haven't, I've lightly shared in the podcast, but I haven't in depth shared. And I thank you so much for bringing that information, talking about people's health, talking about people's um, childhood experiences and how that ha- impacts us synonymously, not only with our mental health, but also with our health and things that we can do to become resilient. That is so important, guys. One thing that, you know, I always promote in the podcast is beauteous me is, is finding your inner beauty. That's resiliency. That's, that's inner healing. That's inner love. It's not all about the outside. It's all about the inside. And that's where the the core of what we have to kind of dig deep and, and work on and Brooke, your, your information was just amazing. And I was so excited to have this conversation with you today. And I thank you so much for being here. I am genuinely humbled um, by the information and I'm so excited that you are going to be working, you know, to promote this in New York city kids as a city girl who grew up in Washington Heights. You know, it's, it's so super important um, that, that we continue to pour into our community. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I just, I've, you have no idea what it means to me. And I know that your listeners have such value and support in your podcast, but you're just a wonderful person. And I just value this time. You have no idea what it means to me. I'm telling everybody after this. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And seriously, good luck to you. And um, I hope that you share with your guests some tips that you had to get over your circumstances Absolutely. because you had a seven out of I had a seven out of 10. And that's, I keep consistent. And I'm like, let me go back and score myself. I'm consistently a seven out of 10. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm also going to put guys in the show notes, not only Brooks um, page, but information on the ACEs so that you guys can take the test and just drop me a message on my Instagram and let me know what your score was. So thank you, Brooke. I really, truly, truly appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope this episode fed your soul. Please be sure to download new episodes. You can also head on over to rate, review, and subscribe. For more updates, find us at www.iambeauteousme.com or on Instagram at iambeauteousme. Don't forget to use the hashtag beauteousmepodcast for your feedback.